0: News Talk KZRG. News Talk K-Z-R-G. FM 102.9, 105.9, AM 1310, and on your smart speaker, it is News Talk KZRG. Peter Thiel.
1: Steve Scott and Ted Bohorquez.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, he's the president of American Commitment. His name is Phil Kirpin. If you follow him on the Twitter, uh, he usually has some pretty neat stuff to discuss. Uh, Phil, welcome to KZRG. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. You wrote a piece called More Debt Without S- a Spending Reform is Dirty. Debt Limit. Uh, we're on a way right now. It's, uh, uh, Republicans have drawn a line in the sand. Uh, do you think uh, Speaker McCarthy cracks?
1: Well, no, I think he's gotta, he, I think he's gotta deliver something or else he's gonna lose his speakership. I think that was pretty clear by, you know, made pretty clear by the 20 guys who weren't gonna vote for him unless he made some very specific concessions. And one of them was that they're gonna do a real budget, uh, that reaches balance in the 10-year window and they're gonna fight for it in the context of this, uh, debt ceiling fight. And, you know, I don't think they're gonna get everything they want, uh, but I do think that The way this happened, the way that we got to where we are, rules out, kind of roll over and pass it with Democratic votes and a handful of liberal Republicans and don't do anything to cut spending. I don't think that possibility, which is how these things uh, get resolved more often than not. uh, Otherwise, I don't think that's possible with him keeping his job. And of course, you know, what's the one thing that every politician cares about more than anything? Keeping his job. And so I think that he's going to uh, explain to the president that he has to have some spending cuts, some reforms of some kind, even if only token ones, uh, for his own political survival. And uh, ultimately, there will be a negotiated deal between the Speaker and the White House. The question is whether it's going to accomplish much, uh, whether it's going to contain much. And uh, the good news is that the President has already backed off of his ridiculous, I'm not going to negotiate, they need to just jack up the debt without doing anything to cut spending. And he's taken he's taken the meeting, and they've started the negotiation. now. Where that leads, of course, is still a big open question, but uh, he's already moved off his original stance, which was to not negotiate, so that's a positive.
0: Phil Kirpin, American Commitment, he's the president. Uh, Phil, I think the other question that we have, Democrats are doing what they do best, demagoguing over Social Security and Medicare, but don't they have a point? Well, Social
1: Security... Security and Medicare have unfunded liabilities of about 64 trillion dollars so about twice the official national debt is unfunded obligations of those programs and most of that is Medicare about 50 trillion dollars of that is Medicare Uh, that said I don't think you can touch those in the context of a negotiation like this because you'll just get destroyed politically and I think Republicans know that and so as huge a problem and as real a problem as those programs are, I think that it would be a total waste of effort and would backfire spectacularly uh, to try to address them in the context of the debt ceiling fight. I think they really need to focus on all of the wasteful and destructive spending in the regular budget and trying to get that under control, and uh, and leave the entitlement uh, fight for another day because you can't reform those programs in a way that make you know a bad deal even worse. Those programs are not a favorable deal as it is, and so. If you just go in with a flash and burn and cut benefits or something like that, then you're really ripping people off. So, I mean, I think the reforms to those programs need to move uh, towards, you know, harnessing real investment and real investment returns in Social Security so we can have higher benefits. And the Medicare li- liabilities cannot be addressed without fixing the entire healthcare system, which, as we know, Republicans have uh, many good ideas on health care, but they can't agree on any of them. And so, you know, I I think that as as important as it is to address those programs, it would be very foolish uh, to do anything but what they have been doing, which is they were not going to touch that in the debt ceiling context. And, by the way, I thought the president looked kind of ridiculous when he said the the Republicans want to end Social Security, and they all yelled at him and said, no, we don't. And then he was like, oh, okay, that's good. So I I don't – I don't think the Democrats are necessarily going to score much politically with that demagoguing because I think the Republicans are just going to say over and over that they don't want to touch those, um, which, you know, is probably good politically. But at some point, we're going to have to touch them because, we're you know, those programs hit insolvency, uh, Medicare in six years, Social Security in 12 years. And what happens when we hit insolvency is automatic very large benefit cuts. And so the argument to do nothing is actually an argument for very large automatic benefit cuts unless they're just going to you know, print the money to backfill it from general funds, and then that would be chronically inflationary. So I do think we have big problems in those programs, but the politics of the situation dictates that they not be dealt with <laughs> in the context of this fight.
0: As Phil Kerpen, and he's with American Commitment. Phil, I think the other thing to look at with uh, our budget deficit, how close are we uh, to having a uh, Uh, just interest on our debt be the third largest federal program?
1: Uh, I mean, I think we're already there for being the third largest. Only the Defense Department and HHS are bigger, and, you know, we're we're pretty close. We're like five or ten years away from being the biggest thing in the federal budget if interest rates continue to stay where they are right now. We we got uh, very spoiled by the ultra-low interest rate environment, and that environment's gone now. And so the interest expense rises very rapidly because it sort of compounds on itself. It drives larger deficits, and then those larger deficits are more expensive to finance. And
0: what do you think the Democrats' endgame is for their addiction to big spending?
1: Well, um, I think their end game is just to print more money. I mean, I don't think they've got a plan to fix the problem. I think they, uh, you know, their whole mentality is spending is good politically because the people who benefit from it appreciate it a lot more than the, you know, everyone else across whom the uh, cost is spread. And so, you know, just keep living in the short term, keep, you know, winning, uh, you know, winning elections on this stuff. And uh, of course, they, they also, when we have an acute debt crisis, they'll blame Republicans and say it was because of tax cuts, even though, Revenue last year was at the second highest level it's ever been as a percent of GDP, uh, which, to me, is pretty powerful evidence that the tax cuts worked in terms of growing the economy and keeping revenues up with kind of the supply-side effect. Um, The whole problem is on the spending side. But, you know, I don't think that Democrats see economic problems as economic problems. They just think about how to handle them politically, and that's good enough for them.
0: Progressive left, they're now beginning to... uh say that uh, housing is a right. Uh, it's uh, the socialization of more than just people who are on uh, welfare or needing support uh, for housing. Uh, if they get their right on this, it, it we are really sunk as a nation.
1: Yeah, look, I mean government's never made something more affordable by subsidizing it. It always has the opposite effect uh, because, you know, the people who qualify for the subsidies don't care what the real price is, and prices just rise dramatically, and uh, the costs are socialized and spread among the whole people. And, of course, this is why education and health care have been such disasters, because we've transferred the costs the people who actually consume those, to, uh, you know, broader pools of people that uh, are less able to exert cost controls. And, you know, if you look at the things that have gotten more expensive over time versus the things that have gotten less expensive, everything that's gotten more expensive had heavy government involvement and people demanding it as a right and so forth. And everything that got less expensive was subject to intense competition, especially from international trade. And you look at things like TVs and electronics. Plunging in price, while well, things like you know healthcare and uh, education have skyrocketed dramatically, and housing's always been um, kind of its own thing with its own fundamentals because uh, housing prices are fundamentally driven by incomes and by affordability more than anything else. Uh, but if you disconnect it from that, if you say we're going to give people homes they can't afford by spreading those costs among other people, well, you know, we're going to create another education or healthcare. We're going to create another massive cost burden that's spread across everyone and uh it in in my view that would be a huge mistake
0: phil how do we learn more about american commitment and connect with you on the twitter
1: AmericanCommitment.org is the website, and we've got a bunch of action items there that rotate through on the top, and, uh, and I, I, we just redid the website. It's much easier now to use than the old one. If people haven't been there in a while, give it a new look, AmericanCommitment.org. And the Twitter, I'm a little bit of an addict. I'm on there a lot. It's my last name, Kirpen, K-E-R-P-E-N.
0: Phil, thank you very much. We'll have you on again. All right. Have a good one. All right. Phil Kirpen, everybody. It's Newstalk EZRG.